Mark Harvey here. This is Real Life Game Changers. Are you in for a treat today? Uh, wherever it is that you are listening from or you're watching from, this is going to be incredible. We're going to be talking about how you can set yourself on your journey to however many it is, but you're going to learn from someone who has purchased over 4,500 properties, got to eight figures, over $12 million in 18 months and earning 75,000 pounds in passive income every single month. This is going to be awesome. So thank you for joining us. What I want to hear from you is where are you from? Yeah, so put it in the comments. What country are you from? What city are you from? What is it that you're doing on this fine evening if you're watching it live? By the way, if you are watching or listening live, do put uh, hashtag live. If you're watching this on the replay, put hashtag replay because if we notice you're asking any questions and you put replay, then we'll know be, be to, to get back to you because obviously we probably didn't answer it as we were as we were live. So what we're going to do also is run a competition as always. So uh, to qualify uh, in for a chance for winning this, all you need to do is share this on your timeline and then tag at least 10 other people in whatever platform you're watching it on, if that allows. And also, uh, if you're in the real life tribe, you've got to tag 10 people in the tribe and 10 people out of the tribe. So let me see that start to happen, guys, because I tell you something, we are in an absolute tree. It's my pleasure to have you here this uh, on this fine day. Michelle and Michelle, as we can see at the bottom, 4,500 properties, eight figures in income in 18 months. That is absolutely outstanding. I'm super excited uh, for everyone to hear your journey, Michelle. So thank you for uh, joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Mark, and for the opportunity to, you know, come in here live and chat. I see that, you know, Tina, Charlotte, John, Silvina are here with us today. And for those of you that are watching, you know, a replay, uh, you know, thank you for your time and for allowing me the opportunity to enter your world and just share a little bit about what I've been doing here in the in the U.S. in terms of uh, flipping 4,500 properties, not just any property, but specifically flipping what I like to call American dirt land. Yes. So we're going to hear all about that. But before we get to that, um, let's just hear a little bit about your backstory. Like, where are you from? How did you end up in the USA? And uh, yeah, just uh, how it all started for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I am actually, Mark, I'm originally from Honduras. It's this tiny little country in Central America, in case you don't know. Um, I came here in 1995. My husband, Jack, is actually also from Germany. He came here in 1997. We met in college and we, you know, after college decided, you know, Cupid hit, struck, and we decided to stay here in the U.S., go find jobs that would sponsor our green cards, our working permits first, and then our green cards. And we did basically what um, the traditional plan that society has out there for us, which is to get a great education find an amazing corporate job. And there we were, you know, three years into those corporate jobs with Fortune 500 companies, Jack in the, you know, software space for me in the financial space. And we absolutely hated those jobs, Mark. We found ourselves pretty much with no freedom, no fulfillment. And a lot of hours by the time Wednesday hit, I already had a 40-hour week, you know, so we were working anywhere from 60 to 80 hours uh, for someone else. And all that energy and effort wasn't translating into big, big paychecks. Like we were paying our bills, but it wasn't really getting us ahead financially. Yeah. We were 
uh, what I like to call, um, you know, uh, income statement wealthy, uh, which uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, getting a job and exchanging hours for dollars. If that's a good, if it's a good translation and a good ratio, but for us, the effort that we were putting it wasn't for sure at all. And so we started looking into, okay, what could we do? And I think as immigrants, we, we saw opportunities that other people didn't perhaps see, you know, uh, that's probably one of the advantages of being an immigrant where you come here, you know, to a place and you pretty much have zero to your name and you just have, you know, walk in with two suitcases and hearts full of dreams. And, um, and we started looking into real estate and, you know, realized very quickly that the traditional real estate, uh, which was involving a house, um, was a little bit too way over our heads for us because we were immigrants. Uh, we didn't know how to estimate repairs on foundations, on a roof, uh, just in, in general, you know, it was it was too much for us. But we stumbled into something called tax liens and tax deeds, which kind of like blew our minds because back home, you cannot lose your property due to tax delinquency, property taxes, but you can here in the U.S. And so we walked into a tax deed auction and I recognized that a bunch of the land of the properties that were coming for, you know, for our auction were actually pieces of land. And I'm like, gosh, people have made up their mind, you know, that they're not going to pay their property taxes and they want to let go of their properties and they don't redeem the properties. What if we could, you know, reach out to these people way ahead in advance before this, these properties go for auction and actually buy it directly from the seller. So over a, a couple of almost two years of trial and error, you know, we kind of like develop our proprietary method. But during that two year period, we had, you know, small successes. And my very first success was, you know, buying a piece of land here in Northern Arizona. I sit in Phoenix, Arizona. So this is the Southwestern of the United States. Um, and um, and uh, we were able to put it under contract for like $400 up here in Northern Arizona. And, um, and we go and we put our for sale by owner sign and we're staking our, you know, our sign on the ground. The neighbor comes out and says, Hey guys, I've been, are you guys the owners? I've been looking and I've been trying to reach the seller without, you know, with, without, uh, or the owner without success. And I would love to add this piece of land to my property right now, to my existing, you know, property. And I'd be willing to pay it, you know, to pay you $4,500. So that piece of land was actually worth more like $8,000 mark. But because my negotiation skills were zero and we had purchased it for like 400 bucks, we're like, uh, yeah, I will take the $4,500. And those were the quickest, uh, you know, $4,000 that we have made um, and almost the same that I was earning in my job, you know, uh, for in, 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 a, in a two week pay period. I had done it just like that with one deal. And so we're like, okay, what if we start doing this on a, on a mass scale, you know, and instead of doing just one of these a month, we do, you know, five, 10 and so on and so forth. So it was originally just Jack and me working off hours. It had to be a side hustle um, because our green cards depended on our corporate jobs. If we were to leave our corporate jobs before having our green cards, you know, we would have to leave the country. Um, so that, you know, was not an option. Um, so, uh, again, immigrant advantage, zero fear of hard work, putting in the work for the man, you know, over there, the hours over there, and then after hours, putting them on something that was for us, that was actually going to get us ahead. And, um, and, and yeah, once we figured it out, you know, and we were able to uh, figure out a way to scale not only the acquisition, but the sales part, um, we grew pretty much, you know, our, our 
you know, our, our business to eight figures in a matter of 18 months. And um, it's been it's been an amazing ride. You know, that's back in 2002. Um, and uh, 2009, uh, again, the market was seeing seemingly, you know, very similar to what we're seeing today, where there's a lot of talk about a recession. We possibly can already be in it. We're at 8.6 inflation right now here in the U.S. Um, and the tide of, you know, it being a um, seller's market is, is shifting. And, um, and so that's what we had exactly in 2009. And we didn't see any, any whatsoever slowdown in our land business. You know, it was this little cash machine that kept on producing cash. And so we started using some of those profits from our land business and started investing in single family homes. Um, and we hold now a portfolio of, you know, long-term uh, single family homes in three different markets. Then eventually in 2016, you know, our cash machine kept on giving money and we started investing in large multifamily, like 100 plus apartment buildings, 100 plus units. Um, and, um, and our cash machine keeps on, it's that little uh, golden goose that keeps on giving and giving. And now, you know, we are now diversified across three asset classes. I always like to say that our land flipping business is our land cash machine, you know, the one that gives us income statement wealth, kind of the equivalent of a corporate job. Yeah. Or if you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, you know your your income and then we're we're bringing that money into single family and into multifamily and that's our passive income or our balance sheet wealth you know the wealth that actually uh, is in hard assets which you want to be especially in a time of inflation and of a recession you know you want to be in, in in inflation in an asset that actually works with inflation versus against it um, and now we also coach others on how to start their businesses in real estate and investing in real estate, exclusively coaching on the land investing side. So kind of like our coaching business now is, is kind of like our legacy. We have, you know, our, our little cash machine that gives us income statement wealth, our, our single families and multifamilies that give us, you know, balance sheet wealth. And now it's my time to really recirculate, you know, wealth with everyday families um, and teach them a little bit about what we do, um, you know, and what set really set us free and allowed us to kind of like hit a reset button on that American dream that was not really the dream when we were stuck in our corporate job. So I know that's a long answer, but that's that's basically the story in in uh, you know condensed. Well, let's dig deep into those results. But first of all, guys, anybody watching, yeah, just put just put some in the comments about those results. I think that deserves an absolute round of applause. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. I love that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the people, the people watching are loving it. So um, yeah, let's just dig a little bit into it because um, you know, going through this whole journey. Um, from being an immigrant and then uh, working hard, working your way up, you know, meeting in college and, and then growing together. Uh, there must have been some challenges, yeah? There must have been some challenges that made it hard, that made it, you know, some times where maybe you wanted to, like, give up or maybe you didn't know if this was going to work or not. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, the the challenges were right at the beginning and I for an entrepreneur there will always be challenges as you continue 
expanding and up leveling to new levels of growth and engineering new levels of growth for yourself. But I think the biggest challenge is, 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 is making that first seven figures, that first million dollars, you know, um, especially if you're learning, if you're trying to, you know, learn the business model and, uh, in real estate, you know, there's, there's such a thing or in any business really there, when, when people talk about scale, there's, there's two different things that, you know, are going to post challenges scale of like, how do you bring deal flow in, you know, consistent, predictable deal flow so that you can have, you know, properties closing like clockwork. Um, but also, so that's one level of scale, which it own, you know, in a traditional business, it would be, how can I acquire more clients? How can I, you know, attract them and magnetize them in mass and so on and so forth. So that's one challenge is the scaling of the business model. But then the other challenge, uh, you know, that we've had, uh, because we've scaled to the level that we've scaled has been scaling our company and scaling our team and actually developing leaders within our teams and our three lines of business so that we can enjoy the four freedoms that all entrepreneurs start a business for. You don't just start for freedom of money. I mean, that could be a big motivator, you know, your family finances, but you also want freedom of time, freedoms of relationships, being able to work with the people that you love and being of service to the, you know, to the right client, to the right type of people. And then eventually, you know, you want to exercise your freedom of, of purpose and, 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 and you know that you're here on this planet, you know, to, to do something bigger, to do something greater, to live an imprint in the universe and, and to kind of like, you know, tr yeah, be a trailblazer for others and, and, and so on. So along the way, you know, it's, it's been challenges of, of, okay, how, how are we going to acquire, you know, X amount of deals um, in order to meet our financial goals. So it, 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 there were, you know, complications and challenges in terms of team building, in terms of processes, in terms of setting up systems, um, uh, cash, you know, everything at the beginning we were, you know, it, it was bootstrapped. It was every single little bit of dollars that we were making in profits were reinvested into the company um, and so on and so forth. So, so yeah, the, the, I think that the typical challenges, you know, that, that, that come when you're in this entrepreneurial uh, journey that I think is a, is a journey of mastery that really never ends and that uh, you need to learn to welcome uh, challenges um, every single day and almost embrace them because if you want the success and if you want um, the financial goals or the financial freedom or the you know, freedom of time and relationships and purposes, uh, you be you need to be willing to say not just yes to the good things, but yes to what I like to call Mark the shit sandwiches that come with those goals. Yeah, <laughs> and um and um and 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 so yeah, some some of those you know had to do with in the beginning with okay, how do I you know perfect my acquisitions? How do I you know scale my disposition, my sale of my properties? How do I you know um build a team and how do I systematize everything with a team so that I don't have to be involved in every single, you know, part of that, um, of that business. Now across three lines of businesses that we have, we have over 86 team members and, um, and it continues to, to challenge me, uh, the leadership development, because at the end of the day, that's, I think, um, an entrepreneur. Yeah. They start sometimes as accidental leaders because they want to change something in their families or for themselves. But at the end of the day, uh, as you go in, in, you know, in this journey of growing a business, you, you know that you can't do it alone, that it is a team sport. 
you gotta love people. You you gotta want to build people in order for you know for those people to then allow you to have a freedom of time and your business still operate and still run and still produce at a high level uh, with you know a smaller involvement from your end and so on and so forth. So mm. yes, some of the challenges I mean have been I mean wide wide in, in, in spectrum, but it, it was first scaling the model and then scaling the company and, and really building up leaders. Um, if anything that I can say right now, in, in hindsight, now after growing three different businesses, is that, um, you know, we all start a business thinking that um, I can do this better than anyone else. But in fact, you know, uh, you have to really value your time and have some self-awareness to recognize where does my genius really lie? And can I bring someone else in to help me uh, in the areas that I'm weak and, um, and, 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 and work with me to help me put in a process in place? Like, for example, a lot of entrepreneurs are visionaries, but they're not necessarily the best at systematizing their business. Well, um, you know, you can bring someone in and help you versus you trying to do it. But in the beginning, sometimes because of, you know, uh, complexities of, or, or scar of scarcity, really, of not having enough resources, you do it all yourself. But now, in hindsight, I would say you want to have, uh, you know, the leaders first and those leaders help you build a team and they will take care of processes. They will take care of systems. They will take care of taking care of your clients in order for profits to then, uh, you know, come out on the other end. Um, you can do the work yourself and be working, you know, the production level of your company, or you could, you know, start being a manager in your company, or you can, you know, being an executive leader in your company, or you can really act as an owner and have all those team members below you doing a lot of the work much better than you could possibly ever do it, you know, yourself. So, um, yeah, some a little bit of, of, of lessons. If I start a business right now, I'm like the very first person I'm hiring is a VP of sales. And that person is going to go and hire me, you know, a team of salespeople that are going to either help me on the acquisition or in the disposition of whatever it is that I'm buying and selling, you know, uh, uh, or service that I'm providing. Um, and then probably my, my second person would be an operations person, again, to systematize the business. Um, and then probably my third person would be an accountant you know, to come in and give you the reporting that you need so that you can actually run your business by the numbers, by metrics, and uh, and hold a team accountable to certain KPIs. So I know that's, again, a long, long answer, but I don't know if that answered what, uh, what you were looking for, or were you specifically talking about specific deals? Well, the thing is, like, we've got some huge numbers in some short timeframes we're talking about here. And, um, you know, I think I'll probably probably spent 10 to 15 years trying to figure it out before I even started to make any money. I wasn't scared of hard work. Yeah. Um, so, so like, I think sometimes when people see like these big figures or they see people on social media or on the TV or anywhere in the media for that matter, they're, they're just like, you know, it's so far out of reach. Yeah, the, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, um, did you say like you was in the in the corporate job? You know, you're doing your sixty to eighty hours. Did you say for three years? Yeah, yeah, for three years be before we're like, okay, we gotta change something. Where you get to that point of, you know, we all kind of like uh, really, I think, behavior wise, we respond to two things: to either pain or pleasure. And the level of pain, you know, the meter in terms of pain was so high. 
for us three years into it because we were traveling 100 percent um you know from monday to friday not seeing each other um and um and and that was one of the reasons you know for staying in this country was to be with each other otherwise we would have returned to our respective countries um very little time to actually take vacations to go you know visit family either back in germany or back in honduras and we were determined to if we're staying here in kind of like neutral territory as we like to call it you know we wanted to still continue um, you know, that those ties to family, family is very important for both Jack and, and myself, you know, uh, in the beginning, it was us trying to get ourselves, for example, you know, freed from our corporate job with our side hustle. And, and that was our biggest why, but eventually our biggest why was, you know, how can we retire his dad, you know, from a job of 40 something years teaching, uh, in middle school back in Germany. And how could I go ahead and help my mother as well, who was a single mom, she raised me as a single mother, you know, all her life, how can I help her? And so our why started extending from outside ourselves, you know, to our, you know, to our family. So family has always been in, incredibly in, important for us. So, um, so yeah. So it, it, like you said, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to, um, uh, to, to pinpoint one specific, you know, challenge, but it, it, it is from not being here, not knowing, understanding the lingo of real estate, not, uh, not knowing how things work to the actual, you know, challenges that come with, with, with growing a business. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So three, three years is pretty short uh, from what I see in terms yeah, of and you're, you're right. Yeah, I think we got lucky, Mark. And you know why I think we got lucky? Because land back then, and actually land to this day, Mark, is this uh, blue ocean, this hidden gap in the real estate uh, industry that nobody thinks about. So, you know, we focus on three specific types of, of land that we buy. We buy infill lots in, in growing cities. We buy lots in the path of growth, again, met around, surrounding metropolitan cities. So think 45 minutes outside of a larger city. Uh, and infill lots, when I refer to infill lots, I'm talking about, think about a residential area full of houses. And then there's a single lot that there's there alone without a house on it. That would be an infill lot. Yeah. Um, and, um, and the third type of property that we work on is recreational land, land that is no more than two hours away from a larger city that would have amenities like where people can go hunting, fishing, boating, um, you know, doing recreational stuff with their family. Um, and, um, and, and, so, and so for us, what we, what we recognize is that we had a completely untapped market um, where nobody, you know, we would go into a specific market and we would be the only game in town. And to this day, you know, we've now, you know, educated and, and, and replicated, you know, our success in others, and, and there's other people now doing it, uh, but but it's still an untapped market when it comes to your ability to purchase basically property for anywhere between 20, you know, 10 and 40 cents on the dollar, and then being able to quickly wholesale that property without doing anything, without touching it, because remember, it's dirt. There's no toilets to fix. There's no roof to repair. There's nothing to do to it. You just, uh, you know, quickly flip it for 60% or 70% of market value or even 100% of market value. Uh, when we do the 100% of market value in our flicks, it's usually when we're offering seller financing. And we're basically, again, uh, bringing in an incredible service to the market because traditionally here in the U.S., 
um, banks do not lend on land. So if somebody wants to acquire a piece of land, um, you know, it's very hard to get a bank to lend you the money. But if I'm able to buy, say, you know, a two acre lot or an acre lot for $5,000 that is worth anywhere between, I don't know, 80 and $100,000, I can take $5,000 down, you know, from a potential buyer and my, my cost of acquiring the property is offset. So there's no money in the deal for me. But then I can go and offer that as a service where somebody gives me $5,000 down and then maybe for the next five to 10 years, they give me $500 every month. And that's how we were able to actually grow our passive income, you know, to, to 70, what you called it 70,000 pounds, 70, $75,000 here in US dollars uh, per month is by selling land again, you know, using this method where we're the bank, they give us a down payment and they, they make, I call that mailbox money pretty much. Every month, you know, I have 200 people that we've sold a piece of land that send me anywhere between 200 and 800 dollars every month, you know, and uh, and it's it's been a game changer since we're talking about you know real life game changer. It that was a game changing thing for us because that's when we realized that you know we didn't have to just flip the land because if something happens to me, um, you know, or or to Jack, now we have a 14 year old daughter, but you know if something was going to happen to to us and we couldn't actively flip land or you were, you know, you were sick or the car ran, ran you over, when we recognized that we could do seller financing, uh, that was game changing for us because it meant, number one, we could replace our income from our corporate jobs using seller financing, you know, of our lots, number one, build up the passive cash flow basically to equal what we were making in our corporate jobs per month. Um, and, it, and, and it allowed us to also... Um, not have to constantly wholesale if we want it, if, if we didn't want to. If we wanted to take, I don't know, a month away to go and visit Germany and travel through Europe, you know, uh, we could, you know, we, we had a team and they could, you know, be doing maintenance and perhaps they weren't going to be accelerating our land cash machine or land flipping business, but they could continue, you know, doing flip, you know, flipping land. And that would not in any way um, really be a... Um, a challenge in terms of us, of the expectation of monthly payments that we would have per month, because we, we knew that, you know, we had sold, you know, a hundred pieces of land on, you know, on year three or year whatever. And that was translating into X amount of monthly passive income per month coming in, whether we were flipping land or not. So, so yeah, so, so being able to sell basically land that traditionally doesn't cash flow because normally cash flow is referred to a piece of property that is improved, that has a tenant in, in it, you know, uh, was a game changer for us. And, and having to be able to do that without the hassles of having a tenant, without the midnight move out, without having to repair toilets, without having to do any of the headaches really that come with a house, yeah, with improved property, um, was was in, incredible for us. Um, mm. So, yeah. Mm. So I think yeah. part of it has to do with the fact that it's an untapped market, that it's a blue ocean. And most people, when they think of real estate, they go and start thinking about houses and houses, at least here in the US, it's an incredibly competitive uh, business. You're at a point here in house flipping where you cannot even do direct mail to, to, to create deal flow because it doesn't work anymore. Your response rates are so, so low that you need to be doing call calling or texting and so on and so forth. We're still using direct mail to this day, you know, in the land space because our response rates are anywhere between 3% and uh, 10%. 
uh, in certain areas of the country. Whereas in, the, in these exact same areas of the country, we were flipping houses, we would have under 1% response rate on our direct mail. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and uh, this is what I love about this whole space to do with business, entrepreneurship, uh, is that there's so many different ways. So uh, let's just go back to this whole, like, this three years, you said you were lucky, because what I'm seeing is people stay in, like, a job they hate or a situation they hate for far longer before they say enough's enough, let me go yeah. look elsewhere. Yeah. So. Like, I'm wondering what you can maybe help trigger in people's minds. Like, what spurred you to make a move so soon or do it so soon? You've yeah. obviously mentioned the short holidays and the family, but like, yeah. what what pushed the button? What made the switch here? Because ultimately, that's what this is about. We want to help people like flick that switch and go do something that they really want to do in life. Yeah, I think it has. It comes from. Uh, fear and being in a corporate job giving you the false sense of certainty um you know um we actually how did, you, how did you pick up on that because people think it's the safest thing to do which you know yeah well it it, it, it is the safest thing to do until 2001 comes around for example here in the u.s and we have a a, a tech bubble or 2011 comes around and um 2001, I'm sorry, and you have September 11, and um, and you know 2,000 people are being laid off from your company, and you're hoping that you're not one. And so, what kind of certainty and security do you have when really your job, and for us, the ability to stay in this country, really was completely out of our hands? Yeah, uh, you know, luckily neither Jack or I, you know, were given the pink slip, like we call it here in the U.S. Uh, you know, and we were able to retain our jobs. But I think it, it comes from fear. It, it comes from uh, you having a false sense of security in a job and, 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 and really, uh, again, um, not really thinking and looking at opportunities outside of what you're doing uh, because of the fear of, of loss. Like we, we, like I said earlier, pain or pleasure are the two things that move us as humans. And it's either the possibility of loss or the possibility of gain that makes us move. And a lot of us, basically, the possibility of loss uh, speaks louder in, in what we you know, talk and tell ourselves on an everyday basis, that we don't hear the whispers of the possibility of gain and the fear kind of like um, overtakes us. And sometimes fear is a good thing to have, you know, Mark, because uh, if if the lights are red, you know, you should be fearful for your life um, and you should stop the car if the light, the traffic light is red. There, there are certain things for which our limbic or our reptilian brain, you know, where fear kicks in is there to protect us. But sometimes um, it, when there's opportunities that come into our lives, um, you know, we, we, we are, we're taken over by this reptilian brain versus us hitting kind of like a, an override on that fear and thinking about an opportunity. Well, what is the worst that can happen? And if the worst that can happen is something that you can still li live with or look at the, you know, if it's a proven, for example, a proven process, like wealth has been created through real estate for generations, way before you and I, you know, were born and came into, you know, into existence. Uh, real estate has been an incredible vehicle, not just to create wealth, but uh, really to preserve, to protect, and to pass it on to the next generation, yeah? And, and so for us, you know, that, that possibility of gain was so much bigger that we were willing to put in the time 
and make really uh, a courageous choice. I think we owe it to our families. We owe it to the ones that are that came before us and the ones that are coming after us um, to really um, to make courageous choices and live leave kind of like this imprint of courage in the universe so that they want to take courageous choices as well and, and, and so on and so forth, you know? Um, mm. So it, sometimes it's a matter of, of deciding that this is it, that I'm not going to live with a, in this comfortable misery because that's what we had. We had great paychecks, but we were miserable. So it's, it's you kind of like drawing a, a line in the sand and saying, I'm not going to live in this comfortable misery anymore. And I am here to, I know that growth is on the other end and that wherever fear is, fear masks desire and fear is masking an opportunity for me to unlock my potential. And uh, the more I fear something, the more I run towards it now. But at the beginning, it's not that easy. It, it, you have to basically quiet down what I like to call the itty bitty shitty committee and listen to, you know, your higher self. The, the version of you. That is it. This, yeah, we call it the little voice, you know, it's, uh, it's always uh, chirping away. And sometimes it makes you do something, but a lot of the time it stops people from uh, doing something. So like what tips and advice would you have to people who like eventually they want to, or like maybe they got like this burning desire that they want to do something different, but they just haven't got the courage to do it. Like, what advice would you give to the people? Because that's what this is all about. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think you have to go out there and then explore. If you're, if you don't know what that vehicle is for you, uh, you need to go out there and explore and figure out, you know, what resonates with you, what kind of like uh, opportunity out there would give you the lifestyle that you are searching for, that you're seeking, yeah, and and explore and see what's out there. But then don't stay there in paralysis analysis, analyzing opportunities and exploring yeah we don't come here to explore or to be spectators you know in this life but to be actually creators so once you find something that you know there's a proven format somebody has done it before you know uh it's predictable or to a certain extent predictable um i can collapse time by finding mentorship um and um in 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 in, in it and it's something that i can see myself doing and i love that kind of it for me, it was important to have cash injections, yeah? And I, in, in the cash injections in, in my bank, you know, resonate with me, I would say go all in and focus on one thing. Because that's another thing from us entrepreneurs is that we are curious people by nature. And with that curiosity means that you might fall into what I call uh, or what is commonly known as shiny penny syndrome, yeah? And that entrepreneurial ADD doesn't let you advance in one thing. So once you find the one thing, Stop analyzing, go all in, I mean all in, yeah, and, uh, and go deep and learn everything that there is to learn about that particular opportunity until mastery. And I, I, I can promise you that, that once you simplify versus having too many options, it's like a, the word decide says, you know, the IED comes from, uh, you know, uh, pesticide, uh, you know, and, and, and genocide. And, and it's basically deciding means to kill in a, in a way. So you, you need to, you know, once you explore and you find one thing that you like, you have to kill other options because if you have too many options, you, and you can't decide, you know, you're, you're going to feel overcommitted, which means that you're not committed at all. Yeah. But when you commit to one thing and, and master that one thing, 
um, I can I can promise you that that simplification of energy, of focus, of intention, of attention is going to magnify and it's going to turn into multiplication. So simplify to multiply results once you have found the one thing that you think is, you know, is is what's going to change, you know, uh, you know, your your family finances, the level of freedom that you're experiencing, the lifestyle and et cetera, et cetera. So mm. focus, focus, I would say. Yeah, I've got something to add to that. That is amazing there. Uh, but I think someone likes your uh, comment there. So. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that, so they like that. So, um, yeah, you, you're so right. And I think what sometimes is the challenging thing, rather than what you just said, which is uh, find the one thing that is like, what I'm going to use as a vehicle for whatever freedom I'm looking for and don't make, and don't have any other options. But I, but you said, and many people do that you still had the job until you could replace your income, but the job was never a backup plan. But I think for some people, what it is, it becomes a safety net. So yeah. when they start embarking on this path, you know, maybe they don't get the right training or the right mentoring or, you know, tra training fails them in some way because yeah. we're, we're big believers in all of our businesses, you know, construction, business management with the property, whatever it is, is there's the technical side of it, which is how to do it. But then there's also the personal development side of it. So from mindset and being able to keep pushing mm -hmm. and, and people, they set themselves up for the safety net of like, well, I'll give it a go, but if it don't work out, I'll just go back to my job. And uh, I think that, that there must be a scale point yeah. to where you're saying here of, uh, of, of moving that. Uh, I that totally, totally agree with you, Mark. It's, it's being used as, as, a, as a backup plan. And, and, and at some point you, you got to decide, you know, um, you know, that's, there's no backup, burn the boats kind of, so to speak. We, yes. we couldn't, we couldn't only because um, our green cards depended on it, you know, but, and we didn't have a family. We didn't have a child back then. It was just him and I, you know, and, um, and, and so if, if we wouldn't have, if we didn't have that green card situation where our permanent residency here was in jeopardy, if we didn't kept our jobs, uh, we probably would have done this much, much faster, but we, we had to basically work with the, with the time and resources that we had and make the best out of the cards that we were dealt with pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, to I totally get it. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's why I think that what I said, I came up with this phrase, you know, when I realized that there was a different world outside, first of all, working my ass off, like I was, I was on the building side myself when I first left school. Yeah. So like, on the, so working my ass off was one. And then the other thing was like that corporate world, which is, okay, still working your ass off, but this time there's po politics, people trying to take you down. People don't yeah. want you to be better than them. You know, yeah. the pro you can be replaced at any time if you don't do what they say. Um, that when I, when I realized it was a different way. Yeah. And, and I thought to myself, I was involved in a couple of businesses. I was even partnering businesses where they wanted to dictate and they wanted to like, you know, stick people into little holes and not allow them to grow. When I, when I realized all of this, I said, I want to make, I want to build companies that people actually want to work for. Not none of this, yeah. you know, yeah. you know not none of this Monday blues or happy hump day garbage. I was like, you know, it doesn't matter what day it is. I don't, I don't even want people to care what day it is. 
Um, so that's that's what we actually that's what we do. And you know what is so amazing when we see all the people they say like actually doing this business working you know, with us in this real life brand, uh, they have the best time of their life. And uh, what we started doing is um, after all the because we was in the IT industry, and okay. after that after that we started training people in uh, real estate and business, and mm-hmm. we realized that hold on a second we're undoing a lot of things. Yeah from the past so yes. we thought so we thought why wait let's open a foundation so at the time we opened a foundation training children which is now called the well-being and education center we call it the oh, work center beautiful. and it trains children from four to 12 years old and uh, the idea is is we give them everything that they need now rather than them learning a load of bad habits and having to undo them you know like like all of this stuff we talk about yeah. all the things Hold, hold people back. They don't pull a trigger. They're just, they're like they're they're trained to work in a job and like be dictated to and and feel inferior. So uh, rather than do that, give them the empowerment, the confidence from the beginning. Uh, and then the the only sector that was left was um was like corporate. And and as you know, they're probably not going to go to any kind of personal development or this entrepreneur mentality that you're talking about here. No. So, so we thought, you know what, if they're not going to come to the training or they're not going to come to the personal work, then we'll take the personal work to them. And that's why we went into construction and hospitality and the restaurants and the gyms and hotels, because they're all the places where people don't get treated so well. So we're going to create companies that people want to work for. So either everybody comes and works for us or the people in the industry will have to change. Yeah. Either way. Either, either way, everybody wins. And I think it needs, you know, the world, somebody said it earlier, the world needs more leaders like you and other people who actually want to empower people yeah. to be able to do it for themselves. I think, I don't know if you heard Richard Branson, what he said, he said he trains people well enough so they can leave, but he treats them well enough so they don't leave. I know, yeah. this is this is the same here, you know, in, in, our, in, in all three lines of businesses, uh, every single of our team members is uh, encouraged to want to flip land, you know, and we help them start their land flipping business. And uh, you would think that that would make, you know, someone that is already at a certain level in their land flipping want to stop working for us. But we have right now one gentleman that has been 16 years for us and he flips land on the side and he continues being our head of technology right now. And, uh, and him and his wife continue to flip land, you know, in our coaching business, you know, we have uh, what we like to call not just our master coaches, but accountability partners to help our students, you know, stay accountable. uh, And they check in with them every single week and so on and so forth. But our accountability partners, we now have, you know, uh, a little bit over half of our accountability partners starting to flip land as well, you know, so they're not just, uh, you know, being of support and mentorship, you know, to our coaching students, but they're also wanting to, you know, flip land and, uh, and they've been now two, three years with us and that hasn't prevented them from, you know, from, from, uh, um, from continuing to work for us. I think it's, it's kind of like having a mindset of scarcity sometimes when, when we don't want to make, uh, you know, the best uh, 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 in terms of offering opportunities to our teams inside of our companies. Um, and, and like you said, it's, it's up to us to not just see what's wrong with corporate America and especially when we're building our own teams, you know, in our own entrepreneurial businesses, 
but um, not just see and have an opinion about what's wrong, but actually bring a, a, a level of change and transformation like you are doing, Mark, right now, you know, along those different sectors and companies. And everyone is going to be winning either either way. So, um, so yeah, for us, it means, you know, that now, uh, you know, in, in our accountability division, um, you know, people that are flipping land are able to service our, our, you know, our students even better because they know intimately the challenges that our students are going through, you know, um, in our land flipping business, it means that, you know, um, our, our team, if they're flipping land themselves, they understand how to be of service to a seller, how to intimately be of service to a buyer, you know, because they're feeling the pain themselves of having to flip land and sometimes, you know, things going sideways and closings not happening. And so how can I prevent this? Not just, you know, for Jack and Michelle, you know, in their business, but in my business as well. And, and whatever they learn in their own uh, experiences in their own little businesses, you know, that those, um, those aha moments are being brought to our business as well. And, and so, yeah, it's so important for, for people to not, uh, I think when you're building teams for not to be offering people an opportunity for a job, but actually an opportunity to have a career and actually um, use the velocity of growth of your business to actually bring their personal goals forward as well. Super, mm. super important. Totally agree with you. Mm, absolutely. And uh, just before we wrap this up, I've got a couple of questions to still ask you. Yeah. And um, so the first question is, let's just say you have a microphone right now that translates to every different language yeah, across, mm. the, across the globe. Yeah, and you got a 20 second message that you could just get to everybody right now. What would that 20 second message be? I think the 20 second message would be, you know, we are living in an era of creativity, of incredibly creative freedom and go find your leadership style, go find your vehicle um, and, um, and make the most out of the cards that you've been dealt right now and, 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 and focus on, on making courageous choices every single day. It's probably more than 20 seconds, but there's got to be some courage there. I'm telling you, the things that I have gone through uh, have required quite a bit of that, um, you know, especially as an, as an immigrant, as a female in the real estate industry as well, uh, you know, um, and so that, that would be, that would be mm -hmm. my, yeah. We're no longer, the American dream is no longer you know, a white picket fence, two and a half kids living in the suburbs. You know, the freedom that we're looking all for right now is creative freedom, creative expression. Um, and, and with that, you need to have freedom of time. And, and, and so um, don't, don't worry about what others think. Find your style, go lead, go do something amazing, go create. No more watching in the sidelines, you know? Mm, absolutely. That is amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And uh, just what you touched on there, yeah, like uh, a female being in business or being in real estate. And uh, I think uh, many of the people in our community anyway, um, we have uh, many uh, females, so some of them are watching right now, I can see them commenting and yeah. uh, single moms. And, and it's so cool, so cool that they can like uh, create their own freedom and, and uh, yeah. stand on their own two feet and have the confidence to do so. So that is brilliant. Yeah. So thank you for that. So uh, last question, and, and before this last question, 
Uh, I just want to thank you for coming on here. Like we always say, if we can just inspire one person or change their trajectory that you're on, it's definitely worth it. But I think many people will watch this, whether it's live, whether it's uh, on the replay, or whether it's wherever else we uh, put it out there. So really appreciate it. You've been awesome. You dropped so much knowledge in such a short space of time. It might even blow some people's mind. <laughs> thank you so much, Mark, for the opportunity and you know to just share and 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 be of service here to your audience and to like you said, if we can just change and inspire one person, it will have been one hour incredibly well lived for me. So mm. thank you so much. That is it. You are welcome. It's been a pleasure. So here's a question. We we always say we got this saying that in um in our community, but anywhere really, like we always say we can never, ever, ever let people forget that they must do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Uh, in my opinion is, you know, uh, for example, you know, uh, in, in any line of business, if the reasons are profits, uh, you got it all wrong. You know, the reason for doing anything is to make something better for people. Yeah. And so that's, uh, yeah, you, you need to be doing it for the right reasons. Um, I always say that, you know, success, money, you know, has, it's neither evil or, 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 or bad, you know, and a lot of people associate bad things, you know, with, with, with money and the, and the activity of money making and so on and so forth. And, I, and I'm here to say it doesn't have an, a negative charge or a positive charge. It's neutral. The charge that we give it is based on our why. And if our why is a why of the heart that is meaningful, you know, like your family, like changing, you know, generational curses of scarcity for your family, um, that, you know, the activity, whatever you engage in is, is, is you've made it a, a, a matter of the heart at that point. And, um, and, and why you're doing it matters. And, um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. For sure, yeah. it, it's it's it, it's it's why you're doing it, how you're doing it, and not just the outcome. But it, you know, you 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 want to be lifting others up and yourself up as you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, not just for the sake of like an X dollar amount, you know, as a goal, as a financial goal. Like in the process of going towards that goal, you want to be transformational to every single one that you're touching, versus being transactional about it. For sure. Mm. Superb. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, we have this, we have like a little phrase in our community. So I, I would just love it if you do the honor, if I ask you the question again, because I always ask this question, right? And I love to get everybody's different angles. And that was amazing what you just shared with us. Um, we'll always say in our community is we say, you got to do the right thing for the right reason, because that's the only way to discover your true potential. Can you say that for us? Yes. Yes, you got to do the right things for the right reasons, because that's the only way to unlock your true potential. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. <laughs>